Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Mize, a Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John. Joining me on the line is Ian. Hey, what's up? Hey everybody, and today we're going to be recording episode 6, Post Thoughts, on our Shadows of Innistrad pre-releases. With the pre-release last weekend, this weekend is the release weekend. I know I'm actually heading up out of town to go to a Shadows of Innistrad PPTQ, so we're going to share some of our thoughts of the pre-release and tell you all about how much fun we had playing with this new set. Spoiler alert, it was fun. Yes, it was It was in fact fun. So, we're going to go ahead and just take this chronologically. We're going to start talking about our morning releases, or for some of us, the midnight pre-release, and then we're going to talk about our afternoon pre-releases. Yeah, so, I, I actually didn't get degenerate this time. Usually, like I'll do like four or five pre-releases, but I was just... Since the move, I don't have a, like an actual local local game store, so I hiked my ass up to Seattle. Yeah, this past week or for it, and you, you went to Card Kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I had a bunch of friends up there who were playing, and so. they were like, "Come join us." I this one of those like you go. It kind of actually factored in nicely into one of my stories, so I'll get into it with my Saturday morning thing. All so, right. was nice. so, so for me, I go to, to one of my local game stores, which is Comic City Two, up in Madison, Tennessee. Uh, and for the midnight release, they did this really awesome thing. I mentioned it in the last podcast where we did they if you pre-registered for a pre-release, you got to do an Innistrad draft, drafted a six spider spawning deck. It was awesome. I posted a, a little bit of it on Twitter. I'll post it again later. But for the midnight pre-release, we sit down, we open our packs, and the first thing that I always like to look at in these kind types of situations is our pre-release rare because that is where a lot of the excitement is going to come into play. Now. The problem with that was my my rare was the Nephalia Moondrakes, which are the 7-mana 5-5 flyer that gives another dude flying. And that's not exciting at all. No, not really. <laughs> so I was, really, like, I was really banking on my packs you, doing something amazing. It's one of these you open up as like, womp, womp. Like, it's kind of spoiler for mine. I open mine up and I'm like, what do I get? Oh, God, it was Port Town. <laughs> it's the blue-white land. I was like, no, why? I mean... There are worse cards open than a port town, but it was womp still womp. kind of it's still disheartening. It's like, man, yeah, it was it was that's a little sad. But my my pool made up for it because the next card that I opened was none other than uh, Avison Archangel or Archangel Avison, who Lutzak. is yeah, Avison is absurd. And then the next pack I opened had uh, Nahiri in it, so. For my midnight pre-release, I was opening uh, the bad girls of Shadows of Innistrad, as I like to call them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, was... wish I'd open, I wish I'd open one of those. Well, look, not all of us can be blessed. So Very, very true. <laughs> In any case, that's what, I, that's what I opened there. Those are the big, big money cards. I opened a few other pretty solid cards here and there. Uh, ended up playing one of my friends. And he was on this deck, which is, he was playing Black Red Vampires, and I ended up trying to play Red White with my deck, but the Red White pool just was not coming together for some for one reason or another. So what I instead did is I played a Blue White deck, playing the Nefalia Moondrakes, and then splashing Nahiri off of the Warped Landscape, which is not the best option for trying to um, play with a lot of different colors, but it was the best option that we had or that I had at our at my disposal. So with that in mind, I played this blue red deck, splashing red for just Nahiri and only Nahiri. Didn't have a lot of other fixing that I could that, that I could have played with, and I lost round one to my friend Chris, who had this sick black red vampires deck. Not because it was like super like powerful or anything. It didn't, he didn't have any of the good rares, but he had the combo, and I'm so sad that I lost to this combo, which was Sanitarium Skeleton which is the one two-for-one that you can pay two and a black and put it, put it back in your hand from your graveyard, followed with the... Followed with... Uh, what was it? Oh, Call the Bloodline, the uh, the card that makes a bunch of vampires whenever so you discard one, a card. One, one and a black enchantment. You pay one, discard a card, put a one-one black vampire knight creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. Yeah, he went off with that card. Basically, you can pay four mana a turn and get a one-one lifelinking token. Yeah, it was dis- it was disgusting. Uh, but he he ran me over. My deck was way too slow. The blue-white deck 
it was essentially a spirits deck. I had like Apothecary Geist and Emissary of the Sleepless and just trying to get some tempo out. But yeah. it just didn't go over very well, unfortunately. But what can you do sometimes? Yeah, I do like the blue-white deck. It seems like it'll be, if you can get a decent pull or even if you're drafting, if you can, if you can get some nice spirit synergy. There's some spirit synergies in this deck for the blue-white flyers deck. Yeah, the blue-white flyers deck definitely has a lot of synergies if you are looking for them. But whatever. I ended up not doing super well there. And then I managed, I was like, after the first round, I was like, you know what? I'm just done. I'm tired. I've literally been up since 5 in the morning because that's because I'm a school teacher, so I have to get up insanely early. In because anyways, you're a crazy person. Because I'm a crazy person and do a bunch of crazy midnight releases as well because I'm insane. Um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll play this last round. Win or lose, I might drop or whatever. And then I ended up staying the entire time. Staying up for 24 hours and winning out my matches. Uh, a few really sweet things that did happen is that in round two, I played against a red-white deck that also had Archangel Avison. Uh, the player who I played against was someone who, while not necessarily new to the game, was someone who was like, you know what, I am, he's like, I'm a new. I'm not a new player, but he's new back into the game of, of Magic, essentially. Oh, yeah. He's like returning for one reason or another. But what ended up happening is he would play. He played his Avacyn, and I I managed to beat it in game one, which I don't know how I beat an Avacyn. Like be, beating an Avacyn is very very difficult. Lucky, I guess. Lucky, I guess. Basically, but I managed to then in game two play my own Avacyn, and then he had a bunch of he had a huge board of a bunch of X threes. Why is that important? Well, because Avacyn's transform trigger then deals three to everything. And I was sitting there with a 2-3 in play and a 2-4 in play as well. And I needed to wipe his board, otherwise I was dead. So my solution was, okay, I'm going to cast Avacyn on his end step to make some blocks so I don't die. Then, on my turn, I'm going to cast Bound by Moonsilver, which is probably the best white uncommon. If you haven't played it with or against it, it is really hard to play against, and playing with it is super, super swell. And for those who aren't for sure. Bound by Moon Silver is two and a white enchantment aura that says enchant creature. Enchanted creature cannot block, attack, or transform, which is huge in this set, especially with Avacyn. But it has another line of text, sacrifice another permanent, attach, bound by moon silver, bound by moon silver to target creature, activates ability only any time you can cast a sorcery and only once each turn. Right. So what I did is I I tacked for six, I believe. I had the Emissary of the Sleepless, which is a 2-4 flyer in Avacyn. And then I was like, okay, cast Bound by Moonsilver on one of your guys, sack my Apothecary Geist to move it to another creature, because it's any permanent. I could sack a land, but I needed to sack a creature. Now, why did I need to sack a creature, Ian? Because that's how Avacyn flips. That's how Avacyn transforms. When another non-angel creature dies, she transforms. So then I said, okay. Oh, yeah. Transform, right. Pass the turn, upkeep, I have a trigger to resolve. And my opponent was like, what? I was like, I had a creature die last turn. So Avacyn transforms and wipes your board, leaving me with a 6-5 Avacyn and a 2-4 flyer. It was fun. Now, the other games that I played, I remember playing against a red-green werewolves deck that I managed to beat, and I don't remember what the other deck I played against. I know in the midnight pre-release, I didn't play against many clue decks. I played mostly against like some tribal decks and some more of a, more of the aggressive decks, but I never played against like a control deck and I didn't play against the, uh, the make a bunch of clues deck. <laughs> so speaking of making a bunch of clues, that plays really nicely into the, my, uh, Saturday morning draft, which is 11 AM, uh, I, or not draft, uh, sealed pre-release event, obviously. Duh. <laughs> anyway, so I got there, I opened my pool, uh, my, like I, like I previously mentioned, my lovely promo card was the blue-white shadow hand, whatever you want to call it, land. And I was like, oh, man, disappointing. So I opened up a bunch of my other packs, and I was like, all right, cool. I have some really cool red and blue, red and, or red and black uh, rares and mythics. I actually got – this is one cool thing about how the packs and shadows work is they have the transformer flip cards, dual face cards uh, at the back of the packs – and you can end up getting two dual face cards. So you could like end up with the god pack of a rare mythic, a foil rare mythic, and a f dual face rare mythic in your same pack. 
I ended only ended up with the Mythic and Dual Face Rare pack, but I got Mindrack Demon and Gyrus Bandit. So Mindrack Demon's the uh, the four or five flyer with trample and all that good stuff. And delirium, and the guy reach bandits that werewolf with haste, and basically when you flip on this flip side, it, it all your werewolves enter transformed. I actually played against one of those, and that's a kill on sight target if someone's playing a werewolves deck. Absolutely, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in play, but I never saw it transformed, and I never saw it do anything while transformed. Oh, it transformed against me, but I was lucky enough to flip it right back and get it transformed back to its other side the very next turn. So it right. didn't actually get to trigger its lovely claws. But anyway, so I ended up looking at mostly a Jund color combination off the bat because my green was pretty decent. My red was pretty good. My black was pretty good. I was looking maybe like a red-black value deck or something like that. But then I had another friend, friend of mine there. I was like, hey, let's check out my pool and stuff like that. He's like, let me see your green. I was like, all right. Let me see your white because I didn't have it in there. And he's like, your white's pretty good because I had Odric and Sigarda. Which are buddies. <laughs> yeah. Audric, for those of you who might not have the set memorized by now, is the guy who basically says, oh, oh, my friend here has a keyword ability. Oh, we, we all have that keyword ability now. Yeah, it's three and a white, three, three, legendary creature, human soldier. And it says, at the beginning of combat, creatures you control gain insert keyword here if another creature has insert keyword there. There are a few exceptions, like prowess is not one of the cards that you can get, or one of the one of the keywords that he can give to everyone. Yeah, it's like flying, death touch, double strike, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, skulk, trample, and vigilance. By the way, there are thirteen keywords he gives. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and I love it. Yep. He's amazing. But anyway, Sigarda is the one of the few gold cards in the set that's actually insane. But she's three white and a green for a four-five flyer. You and humans you control have hexproof. So that's like you, the player, have hexproof. Now, the original Sigarda had hexproof herself, but she's this time is giving it to everybody else. But she also has two and exile a card from your graveyard. Put a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token onto the battlefield. Sigarda is just absurd. There are so few ways to deal with her in the set that you can like reasonably come up with. It's absurd. Yeah, she was great. So he was like, white looks green. I did actually really well in my games that I played. Uh, the first round I lost due to, as I put, Massive Flood and F Flood. <laughs> so games two and, like, well, game one, I had a lovely 7-6 Flying Pig, which was hilarious. Oh, Lord. Oh, Yeah, Lord. the Keswick Dire Swine had Flample, <laughs> had Flying Trample because it had Delirium and and uh, Odric was out with Sigarda. So that was oh. some fun. That was some fun times. Oh, that. Oh, I was just like flying trample pig. Go. <laughs> it's like uh, scoop next game. Um, then after that, I basically had a uh, flying solitary hunter transformed. Thanks yeah. to Sigarda and Odric. And yeah, let's. T- oh, and I also had it was basically green white humans because Thraben Inspector. You know, I always have to go do Inspector Thraben. You just got to get in there for value with that. Oh, of course, but of course. I had that, a whole bunch of other things. And in this deck, it's not, I wouldn't say a great common, but if you have a human's deck, equestrian skill, which is the three green enchantment aura, enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three. And if it's a human, it gets trample. Yeah, I put that on Odric once. That was fun. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> He's like, oh, I have trample. Everybody else gets it. Oh. Like, I don't even know if that, I don't even think that card is good, but that's just, oh. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not great, but I was just like, I need another card and it fit the humans well because with the exception of two Devilthorn Fox and a Sigarda and the Dire Swine, I'm drawing my creatures for humans or I can make a bunch of humans, so it was fine. Yeah, it that always works out nice. Yeah, then I rattled three straight wins after that first round loss to go three and one. Uh, funnily enough, the, per- the guy who I mentioned who looked over my deck, um, he was the person I faced in the fourth round, and I steamrolled Robert, unfortunately. Ooh, it was just always. two quick games, but he he had mana issues. Um, he was playing, like, red-white, I think, touching black, and had some mana issues in both of his games. So it was gotcha. my deck My deck just fired on all cylinders in those games, so it was pretty good. Now, like I was mentioning with clues, I had double confront the unknown, which That's is the one the that— giant growth? Basically, it's one green instant. It's a co- like combat trick. You investigate, and then creature, the target creature you uh, gets 
plus one, plus one for each clue you control. Now, remember, I had, inspect, I had the Thraben Inspector. I had Double Confront the Unknown. Uh, let's see here. What else did I have that gave clues? Survive the Night, which creates a clue. Investigate. Uh, expose Evil. Tap up to two target creatures. Investigate. Um, so I had cards that gave me some... I think the most I got, I was plus three, plus three for it, which was nice. So, okay. And another card that worked really great with clues um, is Angelic Purge because you have to sacrifice the target permanent you control. And if you're just not necessarily needing the clue, I've, I've stacked lands to it. I stacked clues to it. But it just is straight hard removal exile target. Uh, I don't even know. Like creature? It's, it's, it's uh, tar- exile target. Creature? Creature. No, ex- artifact, enchantment, or creature. Right. Yeah. You, you so, sack any permanent to exile target one of those three card types. Yeah. Which is decent. It's it's as good as co- like common removal. I think you're going to get in this set. Well, the big thing with Angelic Purge is that it just gets rid of a thing. Like, what's the thing you need to get rid of? That it's gone. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, I had to get rid of something in mine. Like, there were times where I would sack a land to it when I had like two more in hand. So I'm like, I don't need. And it was like I had four on the battlefield, two more in hand. All I need to do is hit Dire Swine at six, and that's not even a net dire thing. No, I mean I, I was I was both unlucky and lucky enough to not have any angelic purges in my pool, and to never play against it. It's not bad. I, not, th- not like, I can imagine a lot of board states that I was in with my white deck where I would be like, you know what, I really could use an angelic purge right now. Oh, or, another, thing, another thing great too is like say something hit my bin and I could just pop out a, a human soldier token with Sigarda and then use Angelic Purge on the token. So like, Wait, you're telling me that Mythics are good? Yeah, Mythics and are have, okay. And have synergy with other cards? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, well is going to be a big player in Standard, so her being absurd and limited is no question. She's fun. If you get her, pick her and go force green-white humans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I would advocate for first picking Sigarda in a draft as well and just oh, yeah. like... Just- yeah, pick Sigard and jam green white humans. Exactly, because she is so hard to kill. I luckily I never had to face her, but I actually She's, don't know if anybody in my MI of MI store opened she, her. She she actually died a lot. To there's a lot of red removal that can kill her. Uh, like the it's the one that deals five damage in red. Lightning axe. No, not lightning axe. Oh, reduced to ashes. Yes, she got reduced to ash a lot, but. Yeah. I look at it as she took the lightning rod. She was the lightning rod that deflected a lot of that away from other creatures that I might have needed to stick on the battlefield. So That is true. That is true. Mythics so, mythics and threats do tend to do that. Speaking of mythics, how about you and your afternoon pool, man? Oh, Jeez. God. My afternoon pool was, was so ridiculous. So uh, I sat down for my afternoon pool, and I was sitting next to a friend of mine, Anthony, and he's a big werewolf fan. He has a, he has a commander deck, which he has his werewolves. So he's hopefully looking for a red-green legend up and coming up in Eldritch Moon. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, you know what, John? The only card I want to open is a promo Arlen Cord. And I go, good luck with that, buddy. So we open our we open our pools for the pre-release, and I open my pool, and the first card you really see is the mana cost of your promo. And I look at my promo, and I see, huh, that's two red-green. Wait a minute. And I opened up a promo Arlen Cord. <laughs> Which is great, because Arlen Cord is currently the most expensive card in the set. She's probably not going to stay that way for long, but open up, opening up a foil one, especially when I'm putting it into my cube, is great. Because yeah, I know you and your cube, you love the foil promo cards. Oh yeah, the foil promo cards are cards that I am seeking out specifically to put in there. Um, but Anthony also opened one, so we're like, yeah, high five, Arlen Bros. And then, of course, you know your promo's great and all, but you're not necessarily going to play your promo. It's usually, uh, like, one of the things that I would do back when we ha- were given the boxes is you pick the promo or you pick the color base of the promo because how, how good it is in, in your limited pool. And that's so, why they got rid of the color boxes because it's like everyone knows white's got the best rare, so everybody picks the white box and the white box runs out. Basically. Um, so I was like, cool, I open Arlen Quarters my promo. Sweet, so let me open a few more packs. The first pack I open has another Arlen Cord in it. Jam Grail Worlds all day. <laughs> so at that point... Everybody at my table and everybody who heard me open say I, I just opened another Arlen Quarter were like, Oh, you're so you're playing red green. I was like, No, no, no. I mean I mean I need to see what the other rares are or the other like well is my red and are my red and green even playable? That's what I need to know. So I remember opening up opening up the rest of my packs and it, it turned out that I had a lot of good red green cards. For example, uh, my rares that I ended up playing in my red green werewolves deck 
or let me, excuse me as I pull it up, As aside from the double Arlen cord, cough, cough, I also opened up a burn, burn from within, which is the re which is the uh, rare uh, X spell that deals damage to a creature and exiles it. Nice. And then I also opened uh, Silver for Partisan. Okay. Who I did make at least one wolf off of him. Nice. He wasn't he wasn't the biggest he wasn't the best card, but he made he made at least one wolf. And then those were the only rares I played because I think my other rares were Confirmed Suspicion, Rattle Chains, uh, Forgotten Creation, and some other blue cards. But my blue was not, like... If I have the option of playing double Arling Cord or playing something with blue in it, where do you go? Um, Arling Cord? Yeah, Ar double Arling Cord. <laughs> no, that's not even a question. Arling Cord, slam. Yeah, not even a question. So my deck had some choices that I regret later on because some of these cards aren't really... aren't cards that I would play like in a more competitive environment. For example, uh, my non-creature spells... Were Vessel of Nascency, Lightning Axe, Aim High, Rabid Bite, Senseless Rage, Reduced to Ashes, and Burn From Within. So, I like Rabid Bite, though. Rabid Bite's good, it was, and that's not the card I was talking about. I shouldn't have been playing Senseless Rage, yeah. which is the aura, the two-mana aura with Madness for two mana that gives an Enchanted Creature plus two plus two. Because yeah. I only had one card that let me discard things, and that was yeah. the Lightning Axe. So I was like, well, that, that didn't pan out very well. Yeah. Uh, I, could, I could have played my, other, my second Reduced to Ashes, but I think that that would have been a little bit too greedy. And then my, my, my creature base, I only had two other werewolves, which was mediocre, but I had five two-drops, two three-drops, three, three, three four-drops, three five-drops, and a six-drop. So basically what we were talking about when we talked about uh, Arlen last week with the uh, Planeswalkers is you had the nice aggressive low curve that you could pop Sigarda down, or not Sigarda, Arlen down, and hit that plus, plus one on her front side, give the guy plus two, plus two. And not even worry about it. Or you can have a bunch of guys and just flip her over and then start plus one her backside of giving your whole team plus one, plus one. And as we mentioned also, like when I was playing with Arlen, it was very interesting to try and make decisions about, okay, which side do I want next turn? Because there was a time where I was in a board state where I had Arlen in play and my opponent had a flyer. And I, and I was dead to the flyer in two turns. So I had to zero Arlen to make a token so I could flip her so I could get her lightning bolt on the next turn. Not bad. Not bad. But now, yeah, so, so I assume like with that, you, you did confirm your suspicions of this is a card you have to look at least two turns ahead of what side you want her on. Exactly, exactly. Being able to figure out what mode of Arlen you want the next turn. Now, there were some turns where it's like, okay, this is really easy. I'm going to play my Keswick Dire Swine that has Delirium. I'm going to plus one the Arlen Cord side to give it plus two, plus two Vigilance and Haste. And it already has Trample and attack you with an 8-8. Eight, eight. Whee! That's, al that's already good. If I want the removal spell, then I need to go, okay, I need to make a wolf so that she can protect herself for a turn so that I can then minus one her to kill a flyer. Yeah. Which is a very relevant thing to, to work with. Now, when your pool has two of the same Planeswalker, things get a little nutty. Because I think I saw her, in al I think I saw her card in my hand almost every game. I only I think I cast her in seven of the eight games I played because I didn't drop a single game in the entire Lock four round sack. event. It's not hard to do when you have two of the same planeswalker I in know. your pool. And I remember like playing as someone. I go, okay, cool. I'm gonna play my Arlen Cord, and they go, all right, fine. Uh, tap your two guys down with Expose Evil Alpha into your Arlen. Cool, that's fine. Next turn, play my second Arlen, and then he's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's like, are, are we playing can judge? <laughs> are we playing standard, deck, sir? Deck sir. Deck. <laughs> and I used uh, the, the... I didn't actually put the cards in the sleeves. I put checklist cards in my deck. And so yeah. I got to choose which Arlen I got to play with each time. But, it, but whenever I played the second Arlen, I always went back into my deck box to grab the second Arlen to prove that I had it. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just like, I think you're cheating. Oh, no, no. I did the same. I would always do the same when I was playing... Uh, Whenever I played check cards with uh, uh, Jace, Origins Jace. Yep. So I'd always I'd play I'd play the one card and then I'd open my deck box, be like Jace check. I I would Jace check call it myself. Or like you don't have to. I'm like I just want to show you that I have the four. I'm like yep. oh, okay, that's fine, thanks. Um, but from for in in this deck, it was it was a lot of fun. I ran over everyone. I activated every mode of Arlen except for her ultimate, which but I never needed to get to her ultimate. It's just Actually, one of those. It's one of those ultimates that's just like, yeah, okay, I got there. I mean, my friend Anthony did manage to ultimate her, and I was <laughs> like, you didn't need to, probably. 
Because again, as we if we go back to episode four where we talked about all the planeswalkers, what board state are you in where plus oneing embraced by the moon doesn't kill your opponent? Live the dream, buddy. Live the dream. But he won the he lived the dream. He got the emblem. He killed his opponent with the emblem. It was I actually I actually opened an emblem in one of my packs. It's that's as close to a planeswalker as I got. I opened a Jace emblem. Nice. If that's something. Yeah. I mean the other the only other things of note from from my from my two pre releases is that there was a guy. This this high school kid who at the midnight release and the and the Saturday afternoon release opened the same promo, and it was Jace. <laughs> oh, oh, poor guy. But also, Jace isn't that bad. Jace isn't that bad. He was a, he's he'll, a big he'll fan be, of Jace. So. He'll get better down the road. He'll get better down the road. Now, Ian, what was your Saturday afternoon like? Better less. We'll talk about it, but it's better less not talked about. Kind okay, of. Okay. So at so times. what did you play? All right. So when I opened up my pot, I I st- again I stayed at a, a car kingdom. For the second one. So I played at 11 and I played at 5 p.m. And in between we had a nice like hour or two. I finished early so I was actually able to eat some food and then go out to grab some food with some other when the group I was hanging out with went out for food. Came back, started the next pool. My green was literally non-existent. I wouldn't say literally, but it was basically 11, like 10 or 11 cards and about four of them were actually playable. Yeah, that's always pretty I was sad. just like, I was like, no green, get out of here. I did have an, a decent number of rares in, again, black and red that I was considering. Maybe black, red value? Who knows? My, my promo was Diagraph Colossus, which is the two and a black zombie giant for 2-2. Two, two. He's the, quote, zombie lord. Yeah, basically he says you, uh, when he enters the battlefield, uh, he enters the battlefield and with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each zombie card in your graveyard, or whenever you cast a zombie spell, you put a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature onto the battlefield tapped. Problem is, I had three and a half, I think three or four other zombies in my entire pool. Mm. One of them was Relentless Dead, which is amazing. I think I had another six cards that created zombies, but they weren't zombie cards. So I was just like zero value off the Colossus at all. Actually, does the Colossus say zombie card or zombie creature card? Zombie card in your graveyard. Oh. Wait a minute. So, Diagraph Colossus. I'm looking this up because that's relevant not for not for limited sake, but for tribal. Yeah. Read tribal. Uh, for every zombie card in your graveyard, yeah, he counts tribal cards. Yep. If it's a tribal zombie or whatever, he counts it. Yeah. So I also had Ever After, which is kind of hilarious. Ever, oh, the uh, that's the double reanimate. Yeah. And they Ooh, how was that? Zombie. I never played it. I didn't touch oh. it. I didn't touch red or black. Um, I ended up playing actually blue white spirits in my second pool. Okay. Um, my other black rare was Markov Dread Knight. Did you? Or you didn't play him either, did you? Though no, no I you didn't. did. And I got a. I actually pulled a pack foil. Uh, Fevered Visions, which is the one red blue enchantment. Ooh. Which space. is basically the Howling Moon effect. So beginning of each player's end step. You mean Howling Mine? Howling Mine. Not moon. Uh, they draw a card, and if they have over four in hand, your opponent gets dealt two damage. That's and a also, card that I'm excited to play with in standard. And I also open a Scourge Wolf, but that's the 2-2. Two, two, right of red, 2-2, two, two, first strike, Delirium. That yep. gets... Double strike. Double strike, yeah. But I didn't play that. But I got, in white and blue, I had Always Watching, which is the non-token version of the... Uh, what's it called? Intangible Virtue. That's right. Tangible Virtue is what everyone's calling it. <laughs> Yeah, Tangible Virtue is the best name for this card that people could ever have asked for. Yeah. Um, I had a Bygone Bishop and Thing in the Ice. Thing in the Ice is fun. Yeah, he did okay in my pool. Um, he helped lock down the ground in one or two of my games early, but was mm. severely outclassed and drew a lot of removal before I could get him online for his horror side. I never I never turned I never got to transform him. Mm, that's a little sad. Yeah, it was, but my games didn't really go so well. My opponents in my second pre-release, let's put it this way, I learned some lessons about when to call a judge and when not to call a judge. It was rather tilting. My opponents played relatively slow. Like, it was, they played slow enough that I had to keep, at, like, I was like, hey, can you guys just, we need to watch the time. We need to continue to keep pace going because it would take, like, a minute. Like, it was one of those, they didn't play slow enough for me to call a judge for slow play, but they played just slow enough that it's dragged the games long. Mm. And going to game three, I went to time every all the three out of four because I actually dropped after game three because um, gotcha. I went 0-1 and 2. <laughs> that is a very interesting type line. Yeah, I, it was um, the biggest mistake and lesson learned for me, and I can't believe I didn't even pick this up at the time, was in game two or round two. 
my opponent was like, oh yeah, my deck, I didn't really do a really good job of building my deck, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm just going to like, mind if I just rebuild some of my deck? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like, next thing I realized, it's like 15 minutes later and he's just leaving up his lands. I completely should have called a judge after five minutes on him. He took 15 minutes, basically got an additional hat. Like we, had, we were only given like 30 minutes to build our decks uh, there. So he basically got an additional like, like time and half to build a deck and crafted what was a black white middling deck to a Mardu deck that just had every last possible answer for everything in my deck. Yeah, that's I beat him in game 1. This was with my blue white fire deck. My blue white spirits deck beat him game 1 in 8 minutes. He didn't even touch my life total. That's he stumbled. Always... And then the next game like took 15 minutes and then just literally I slowed down one I was like one turn behind in game two and he just had answer after answer and was just playing like black red vampires with touching white for uh declaration stone and stuff like that. And in game three, I didn't even hit him once and it just, I was on mana screw both games. So I ended up being like a turn and a half, two turns behind him. And I beat him in eight minutes. He took 15 minutes to build and then he beat me two games in about 20 minutes. I gotcha. was like not happy at all. And then my opponent, the next game, let's put it this way. We're talking about removal Drog Skull Calvary is one heck of a card. That it's card. expensive, but my god, if you have the mana, like he hit, it's the seven mana, four, it's five white, white, four, four flyer. Whenever spirit enters the battlefield under your control, you gain two life. Right. And then you can pay three and a white to put a one, one spirit token on the battlefield. Yeah, he, that card is. She got to eight mana the next turn after he played that and started pumping spirits. Like that was all he would do is he would just smash his mana sideways and just put two t two tokens on the battlefield we ended that game at like he i was just like forget it scooped at like 40 plus life for my opponent yeah that card i i picked up the uh i picked up the intro deck that has it as as it's rare yeah and i was playing it against a kid uh on saturday because it was like you're like you can buy the intro decks at the pre-releases because that's one of the few products that they let you sell so it's only the only way to buy booster packs yeah and it's a great product. It's wonder they're wonderful. And I played it with it, and I was like, I resolved it against this kid who's playing the mono blue deck from Oath of the Gatewatch. And I was like, this card is absurd. It's it's nuts. Like that game ended. My opponent was at forty nine life, and I was at twenty three life. And that game took thirty minutes. I'm not sure. Like Drogsville Captain and the cards like it are very very powerful and sealed. I'm really I'm really interested to see how good it is in draft. Because I had guys, I just couldn't break through. Yeah, not when you can make an army of one ones. <laughs> and well, I had actually played um, the uninvited Geist, which is the I had flipped him over to the backside, and then he just locked it down with the uh, the bound and moon silver, so I couldn't actually attack with him the rest of the game. Hmm, that would it would have I would have been able to power him out quicker. But next game, I got him on a combat trick uh, with tenacity again. <laughs> Ooh, tenacity just sounds so brutal in that case. He, he went for a swing, and I was just like tenacity block with all my guys gain 12 life next turn just swing and just bashed him down yeah that is, that is and then absurd. the next game almost went to time he he went to time and then on like round or was it turn zero he stuck a soren oh soren is so i've not played against a soren but he, he minus plussed and plussed so he minus to th minus three to kill something of mine then he plussed and plussed and hit lands both times that is pretty. That's pretty sickening. And he's like, and like we hit turn five. I'm like, that's game. I because I drew a land. I'm like, it was nine eight. I had eight, nine life. He had eight. And we're like, that's game. He's like, what? I thought we got like five. And I'm like, no, no, no it's five total. You're zero. I'm one, two, three. He thought it was like five total turns. I'm no, like, no, like no. There's so many games that would be ended if it was five total turns and not just five individual like yeah. back and forth. But regardless, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty disgusting series of uh, series of draws. Yeah, I was rather kind of tilted at the end of that experience. Like, you're going 0-1 and 2 is never fun anyway, but going to time every every round, as well as just completely mind, just slipping my mind, I should call a judge. This guy's taking way too long to rebuild his deck. Yeah, that and is just really... it's, it's one of those things that's happened to me now, and I will never, ever forget it. Yeah. So be be considerate so, of your opponents at a pre-release. You do get to change your decks in between games and in between rounds, even. But you need to remember that we're here to a, have fun. It's an actual five minutes. There are uh, five minutes for that. 
and after that you have to call a judge. Yeah. So, anyways, remember that, kids. So but, now that we have the pre-release in our pack back pocket, we're going to start a segment that we're going to call Shared Discovery, where Ian and I are going to talk about our experiences with whatever it happens to be at the time. So today we're going to be sharing our discoveries about Shadows Over Innistrad Limited, primarily sealed. We really won't get a sense of draft until we actually sit down and, you know, draft the set. Okay, but let me just, let me just interject real quick. Go for it. Let me tell you, having a game store that has a bar in it is amazing. <laughs> Car Kingdom has a attached cafe called Cafe Mox. So like mentioning game round one, I ended up playing that or the first pre-release I played my friend Robert, who was the one who looked over my deck and we like got paired up last round. Like, oh crap. It's like, he's like bar fight. I'm like, what? what? He's like bar fight. I'm like, what? He's like, do you want to go play at the bar? <laughs> so we asked the judge, like, could we just go play at the bar? And the judge was like, yeah, sure. Just go play wherever. <laughs> it's like, I don't so care. We ended just up, play. <laughs> we ended up playing like at the bar at Car Kingdom and what was really nice too is you playing against a friend how the packs sorted out was uh, whoever went th- whoever won that game would have gone three and one and gotten four packs whoever lost that game was going to go two and two and get one pack so we basically just looked at each other as like split packs and we just played it out and I ended up winning I got three packs go. I traded one away and I hit three mythics <laughs> there you go that's all you need but yeah, it's limited. Limited wise, these picks would have been spicy bombs to pick. I think I saw your your post on Twitter because you had like Gold Knight Castigator, Mindrack Olivia, Mindrack Demon, and Olivia. It's like, yeah. ugh. I mean, that series of packs right there just sounds so sweet. If you had those three packs as like the packs you were drafting with, I would have just been like slam red black go. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, even with any of those cards, you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to you know, sit here and just make your life miserable. That's okay. <laughs> Is that cool? That's cool. Sweet. So yeah, those will all would be very – I never actually played any against any of them, but they would all be considered overachievers in limited. But what else yeah. did you play with or against that you thought would be overachievers? So for me, my big overachiever is called the Bloodline, and I'm not sure if it's because of the fact that my friend basically paid – two black black like twice a turn for five turns to make an army of one one life linking vampires exactly. so that card is just it just, just be three black three no and black. it's it's black or it's well yeah it's a yeah three and a black because you have to pay two and a black to pick him back up and it's one one generic for the yeah it's one generic to make the vampire but either way he was paying four mana to make a one one vampire and he was doing it like twice a turn essentially and I was just like, this is dumb. <laughs> and I lost to that. That was that was my own that was the only match that I dropped all weekend. I could definitely um, say I can definitely say for overachieving wise, the red black deck wants to have discard, and that seems like an absolutely insane value discard outlet. Yeah. That card is just crazy. So Yeah, see so I put Angelic Purge, I already mentioned why. It's just great, especially if you're running a clue deck. Because you don't have to worry about sacrificing like actual tangible resources or anything that can produce tokens. Yeah, yeah. it's great there. Angelic uh, Purge like, is just a solid, solid card. Another one I've already mentioned: Confront the Unknown. If you're in a green X, whatever it could be green, white, green, blue, the ones that really actually pump out those tokens with the investigate, it's a nasty little combat trick. Yeah, like especially famous. especially if you're going green, blue, and there's the. Uh, let me find the name of that guy. Uh, it oh, is the Erdwall Erd, Illuminator. Oh yeah, the guy who, who the one in the one twice. in the blue. Yeah, the one in the blue flying one three spirit that, uh, whenever you investigate first, your first time each turn, investigate again. I had that guy in my uh, midnight pre-release pack, but I didn't have any investigate cards, so I never got to be so, like, "Yo, let's investigate a bunch of times." So what that reads with confront the unknown is green investigate investigate again. And then your creature gets because you investigate, and then the Erdwall Illuminator clause triggers. You put that down, and then the rest of Confront the Unknown should resolve. Yeah, it was that. That card is is very very interesting. Regardless, it, it is. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the investigate cards play out. But anyways, some of my other overachievers. Uh, I have to just shout out to the werewolves, man. I didn't play during original Innistrad. I have done probably a grand total of six Innistrad drafts. But the werewolves, man, the werewolves are so hard to deal with. Oh, like this is we can kind of tie this into other th- like some thoughts I had just in general. Holy crap, this set is so important to make sure you have 
a card drop that you can play in your hand if your opponent is playing werewolves or any other card that has a dual that's a dual face card especially, especially with the ones that that especially the werewolves because of the werewolf mechanic right where it's like okay if you play if you don't play a creature card it flips like you need to be able to, to know that if you're going if you're about turn 4 or turn 5 your opponent sticks a werewolf they're probably not going to play something in the next turn you need to keep like two cards back ready to go to play on your next turn just so you can trigger it so it flips back again. Now, the big thing that I noticed about the werewolves was not just the whole fact that, you know, well, of course I need to be aware of when I can, um, when they're flipped, but I actually didn't have the werewolves flip that often. Yeah, you're going to be playing a lot of spells. Like, sometimes, I know when my my opponents would intentionally not play a spell. Like, I asked them after, like, I played against one particular werewolf player. I was like, so were you actually like sandbagging cards just to get your werewolf to flip? It's like, yeah, if I was just getting value because he had actually really good werewolves. Um, like he had the, the guy reach bandit. Right. He was, he was looking to keep that flipped because he's like, okay, if I can get this flipped, hopefully my opponent, like he was hope, hoping that I wouldn't play two spells so that the next turn he could just play his next werewolf spell on the flip side. And it was like one of the, it was like the vanilla one that its backside is a six, five. He was just hoping to stick that as a six, five. Mm. I was just like, pretty good. Yeah, so I was able to make sure I kept that guy reach bandit either tapped down or or on his human side. Yeah, because I did not want that to stick over. No, that that's not what something that you want. But a big thing that like in the limited resources set review, if you haven't listened to it yet, is you don't just want to pass the turn when you play a werewolf, especially early in the game, because you want to be able to advance your board. But the werewolves, they are very powerful, and I was a big fan of them. Yeah, if you uh, play if you play one, it can almost advance your board. Anyway, like Duskwatch, like Duskwatch Recruiter, one in a green. You don't play anything on turn three, and then on turn four you can stick like two or three creatures because every creature card you get costs one less to cast. Yeah, that card is probably going to see standard. Well, not maybe not standard play, but it's going to be see some competitive constructed play because that card is absurd. Yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah. so, also on my list, I had um, the I had Vessel of Nascency which is the green vessel out of that fest- that cycle of common vessels. And the Vessel of Nascency is the green enchantment, for- and then for one and a green, you can sack it, reveal the top four cards, and you can essentially grab any permanent that you reveal it's and like put it a, into play. It's like an even better commune with the gods. Essentially, yeah. It's it's quite strong. I also like the Vessel of Ephemera, which is the one and a white and enchantment, and you sack it for two and a white and put two spirits on the battlefield. Yeah, that card is also really good. Those two vessels, I think, are the best vessels. The black one is okay in. I've had I had that wreck me once or twice. Yeah, it's okay in in this in this format, but it's not something that I'm going to be super excited to play, and no. especially in sealed. I would play it in sealed. Not sure about draft. I think the red one is pretty much just terrible, yeah. and I think the blue one is fine. Can we talk about how Darren Duelist is just disgusting. That card and is so good. It's just like, what does it kill? Everything. Oh. It's like Goblin Heel. It's like it's it's literally Goblin Heel Cutter without the dash cost. Yeah, that that card is good. <laughs> it, I got it's wrecked. great, and I it's got, a common. It's a common. I got, like I got wrecked just, by that one. Yeah, twice. the Voldaren Duelist is just is just ridiculous. Uh, are there any other cards that you're thinking of that were your overachievers? Uh, oh wait, what I have? I have one down here that I forgot. I forgot about Moldgraf Scavenger. Something that people are calling, literally, no joke. Popper Goyf. Popper Goyf. <laughs> this card is not Popper Tarmogoyf. Let it be known. Um, it's a 04 for one in the green. With Delirium, uh, you can, um, and it gets plus three plus oh. Yeah. So if you have four card types in your graveyard, four or, four or more, it suddenly gets huge. It gets swole. It gets super, super swole. But boy, now. It's it's all right. It's all right. I, I never. I had it. Played. I had it overachieved for me because of all of the um, because of all of my del- delirium enablers and my red green vampires or red green werewolves deck because I needed a creatures because if I didn't play them I was going to be super low on creatures yeah. and so I just played a bunch of the um, a bunch of those guys because I needed bodies and sometimes they became three fours and. It's really hard to beat a bunch of three fours. Turns out. Yeah, four seems to be. You look at sets and you're like, what's the key toughness I need to look at? Four seems to be it. 
four generally is a pretty decent decent-bodied four, set. Four is going to – like because you got a lot of – there's a lot of three twos and two threes in this set. So four seems to be the one where it's like, okay, this one can survive. There's also a lot of combat tricks that get plus one, plus X or whatever. It might be plus zero or plus one, plus one. So if it's a two-three, having that four butt can make sure it survives. Yep. So that's just over two years. Obviously, bombs are going to be bombs. Like I already mentioned Sigarda and Odric. Those two get along so well. Yeah, Odric is just so absurd. Uh, I had somebody come up to me and go, Hey, John, what do you think about this combo that I found of Odric and Elusive Tormentor? <laughs> so, now, Elusive Tormentor is the four mana four four in black that you can pay one in the black and dis or play a single mana discard a card to transform it into Insidious Mist. Which is Insidious Mist has hexproof and indestructible. Yeah, hexproof. So and if you have if you have Insidious Mist in play, all your creatures with Audric get hexproof and indestructible at the beginning of combat, and then at the beginning of each over. combat on yeah. each turn. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Sigarda and Audric alone gives everything flying and hexproof. Yeah, it is just so, so dirty. It's just, oh my god. The most keywords I had stacked on everybody was flying, hexproof, trample, lifelink. Yeah. It was disgusting. I loved it. But uh, you had, obviously, Arlen and Avison. They they basically did work for you in your decks. Oh, yeah. Nahiri and... Avison and Arlen, my big my big mythic rares, they really pulled they really called the day. Avison saved my creatures from so many removal spells. Arlen single handedly won games, ignoring the fact that I had two of them. Um and Nahiri was actually really, really powerful and it was a card that there were times where I would play it and I'd just be like, I guess I just get rid of a thing. Yeah. Because it turns out that that tapped artifact or creature clause is important. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another bond that I forgot to mention in our show notes is I got wrecked by uh, Descend Upon the Sinful. Nice. Or as the French know it as, uh, <laughs> Descend Upon, upon the, the Fisherman. fisherman. <laughs> yeah, because apparently somebody in the French office accidentally translated a word wrong. From what I was reading, it's the way the accent on the word is positioned that actually changes it. Yeah, it's, it's literally it. an accent mistake, which for anyone who's taken a foreign language that uses accents knows it happens all the time. The problem is that when you're working for a company to translate these things, you shouldn't be messing it up. Yeah, you know, it happens sometimes. Um, <laughs> it, it just, it, it's funny. So it's go just pay, funny. Go pick up your French copies now. <laughs> yeah, essentially. I mean, I will. I would pay more for a French copy. I uh, some people de- have devalued it because of that, but, you know, it's just one of those <laughs> funny things. If I ever put that card in my queue, which I don't think I would, I would totally play the French version. Oh, I wouldn't. Just doubt. for that joke. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. So, uh, what, what were the other biggest bombs that you saw, Ian? Um. Well, I wouldn't call him a bomb, but like he's an insane role player in any white investigate deck. But bygone bishop, if you can just build a low curve deck, which is basically the two two and a white two three flyer. Whenever you cast a creature spell with convert a mana cost three or less, you investigate. Like that's just insane card value, especially if you're like, at a, like I said, low curve. You can get like a bunch of two drops and three drops, and then you could be playing a two drop, cracking a clue, and then playing another card once you hit like six mana. It's insane. It was great. Yeah. So in oh, any him, case, him and Erdwall Illuminator play really great together. Uh, I would imagine so. I would <laughs> so, imagine so. So fun. Turn 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 two Illuminator. Turn three Bygone Bishop. Go. Yeah. So and just and just make all the clues. I did that. It was fun. All right. So uh, underachievers. I had two big underachievers that I had in my decks. One was the Briarbridge Patrol, which admittedly is a very lackluster card. It's three and a green for a three three. It's a human. I think it's a human warrior. Whenever he de- whenever she deals combat damage to a creature, you investigate. Do you know how many clues I made with her? I make it one. It was one because yeah. I blocked. And then if you ever get to sack three clues, you get to put a creature card from your hand into play. Yeah, that, that's she she is a huge role player in those investigate decks, but like, Yeah, I was not the investigate deck. I I'm I'm still not completely sold on the investigate deck, but Briarbridge Patrol was very underwhelming in the times that I played her. I don't think as a main theme it's great. I enjoyed it. I thought it was hilariously fun as a sub theme to a deck. Yeah. Like incidental investigate on decent cards is great, but this she's definitely how limited resources put it as a build around uncommon. Yeah. 
And then the other card that was kind of underachieving was the Dire Swine. Now, it brings the beef, both literally and non-literally, because it's a pig. It should be bringing the pork. Anyways, a 6-6 for 6 is fine. Trample is fine. I just didn't find it very exciting at times. I I had it in my green-white humans deck as a curve topper for beef, because most of the humans are going to top out at, like, Three threes and three fours and stuff like that. So I just yeah, I got back I in the needed, game during. I just needed or, big, I just needed like you were playing werewolves with it, but I was I think right. Yeah, I was yeah. playing werewolves. So you're gonna have those guys who can get big and get like enormously huge like that. Me, I was just like, I just need a big beefer at the top of my curve. That's what yeah. I played it for. It did. It was serviceable. Uh, I got hosed on it once because I had one forest and five planes. At mm, one point, that's always fun. Well, it was like I, my opening hand had forest planes, planes, and then I just continued to draw white sources. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sometimes the luck of the draw. Yeah. It might just be me because I got back into the game in Theros right, right around when you did, and every time I see a green common six drop that can have trample, I keep thinking of Vulpine Goliath. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Vulpine Goliath is four green green for a six five trample, and that card was good. That card was actually like very good in the format. Yeah, and yet. I keep trying to equate these six mana cards, these six mana six power cards in green to this to Vulpine Goliath, and they never they never stack up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's. Oh, I think it, I think it'll do work in certain decks. I agree. So, but Ian, what are your underachievers? I didn't really have anything that severely underachieved for me. I think um, my my pools were kind of shallow in that I didn't really feel like there was a card that overly underachieved or was like when I drew it I was like when I top decked it I was just like eh. um Humble the Brute was one but Thing in the Ice funnily enough I don't think I had the right deck for it to be perfectly honest with you um I only ever got it down to two counters actually no I got down to one counter and then it got killed uh as it should yeah as it should because it was about to f- transform into its big old horror um I it just it clogs the ground early, but in the later game, like I said, the four butt manner, four butt ma- the four toughness butt matters. But I was going up against a deck that had flying or things that were were as big or could grow bigger than it. So yeah. it just got outclassed really quickly. My big thing with Thing in the Ice is I don't think it's a limited card. Oh no, I that's one thing I learned with this is that I don't I really don't think it is a, a decent limited card. It's going to be great in constructed formats where you can get a lot of free or one mana cantrips. Yeah, I feel like Thing it's of de- the Ice it's an eternal is, it's an eternal card for sure. Yeah. Thing of the Ice is really depends on the density of spells and their quality. And to get the right density and quality in limited is going to be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I've actually so I've think- actually heard people running it in uh the next version of Prow- the Prowess deck in standard. Which is probably the right place for it in standard. Yeah, I don't think it's good in there, but it, I would play it there. Oh yeah, but I mean, I've heard thing in the ice. I've heard I've heard some friends of mine play testing for modern with certain decks, and they're like, thing in the ice, flip it, get your snapcaster back, and then go again. It's like, well, that's just that's just so much value there. That's just how can you ignore it? But yeah. So other than that, some other thoughts we had about the weekend and other things of that sort for sealed well, in general. I think that you hit on one of them, which is, you know, you need to make sure that if you're playing against the werewolf decks or you are the werewolf deck, you need to know what you need to do to make sure that your werewolves flip or that their werewolves transform back into their human side and just being able to manage your spells. It really makes your curve change. Yeah. Which is, I think it actually adds a nice little wrinkle that, like you said, we both weren't really around for the original Innistrad. So it's like, okay, cool. This is something I haven't really had to deal with before in Limited and I liked it. Next is something that Ian wrote down, obviously, because I haven't played with the clues yet, and is that Investigate's fun. I had turns where I was sacking two clues a turn. I was like, boop, boop, and then sack clue, sack clue, draw two cards, and step draw, like, sack another clue, draw a card. I was like, yeah, just rolling in the clues. It was good. Go. It was fun. My big thing is something that, if for those of you who watched the pre-pre-release, you'll notice that everybody was playing That's red. The, the loading ready run pre-pre-release. Yeah, the pre-pre-release that was on Twitch. Produced by Loading Already Run, a bunch of magic personalities were there. Everybody played red. Well, the one person who really wasn't even playing red touched red just because of Nahiri. Yeah, and I think then I think that's the correct play to do in sealed. Correct. But that's neither here nor there. Red seemed to be very, very well represented or 
overrepresented. I got I was actually tagged in a couple tweets over the weekend saying specifically our LGS land station ran out of mountains. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of reasons that that could be the case. It could be because people were excited to play vampires or werewolves because those are the two big tribes. But I think that one of the big things is that I think red has the best removal in the entire set. If you look at common, you have fiery temper and reduced to ashes. And then if you look at uncommon, you get lightning axe, which is just a red mana to deal five to a creature. And I think that in sealed, removal really rules the day. If you have the best removal to get rid of all their threats, then that usually means you're going to win. Yeah. One thing, speaking of removal, this is actually something I didn't write down, but I noticed some pros talking about it as well. And it, it kind of ties into, I forget, I forget exactly who it was that said it, but they said that both the Gatewatch and Balfour oh, Zendikar. Paul Rietzel? Rietzel, yeah, it was Paul Rietzel. Said that both the Gatewatch and Balfour Zendikar sealed was probably one of the best sealed formats in a long time. Like, Which is a very interesting opinion, but... Mainly, and he said it was due to the fact that there was cheap, good, unconditional, common removal that could just hose a bomb. Like, the issue we had in with Fate Reforged around was like, you stick a bomb, you better have a bomb removal to get rid of it. There was nothing cheap and decent to remove big threats. This one, I've noticed it doesn't have as many good answers. Like, Angelic Purge is a nice answer, but obviously you're sacking something to it. It's not as clean as, say, an Oblivion Strike or something of that nature. An Isolation Zone. Or even, like, if you go to Battle for Zendikar where they have complete disregard. Yeah. Or you go to any of the other spells that were in Battle for Zendikar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think removal is going to be something you need to be key on. And just, I think it's going to be valued highly in drafts. Yeah. So I think the big thing that we've hit on is kind of just tying this all up in the bow is that, well, sealed is still sealed. You still need bombs. You still need removal. And you still need creatures to turn sideways and kill your opponent. It was fun, though. Oh, my gosh. This set is super sweet. I am so excited to be playing with it and to be drafting it. I mean, towards the end of any format, you kind of get tired of it. Like, Oath of the Gate Watch, I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. We're good. I get it. This set I'm really looking forward to, so much so that I'm going to be traveling to a sealed PPTQ this Saturday. Nice. I will, this format. I'm going to be trying to find a game store around here that I can go draft at for the release drafts. And then the week after that on Magic Online, and don't get me why, don't get me started on why like the uh, the things are so out of sync date-wise. Pre-release comes two weeks after paper pre-release online. But I'm going to be jamming an absolute ton of pre-release uh, sealed events and streaming them as well. My, oh, only pro- yeah. my only issue is, is that I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm going to stream all weekend. Oh, wait, I have a 24-hour duty shift on Sunday. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, no. But the best part is, is that I can actually get into a pre-release sealed league queue before they close to new entries at 10 a.m. Pacific on that Monday. Ooh, and I'm able to play through my matches until Wednesday. Yep. So I'm so going to get, get, I, I get off at 9 a.m. So I basically get off at 9, walk back upstairs because the place my duty is is in my barracks building downstairs. That's not bad. So I'm going to pop down. I like to basically just pop upstairs, hop on, jump in a queue, and then go to sleep. And then I have two days to finish my queues. I, I was worried that you were like somewhere else in the, on the base and like in some dark basement watching a computer screen go by. Oh, no. I, I just got to stay at a desk. It's hilarious and fun. Yay. Oh, I'm sure it is. But this set's going to be sweet. I'm – Really going to try and draft it as much as I can online. And I'm going to probably play a bunch of sealed leagues of this too. It's going to be- oh yeah, this, I think the sealed league is going to be super fun. If you haven't played leagues yet on Magic Online, you really should. Starting with Shadows over Innistrad, they're introducing the second stages of these sealed leagues where you get to add a pack after you complete your first five matches. You can if you'd like. You can actually you can also save that and just collect the uh, points too. Yeah. You could say, you know what? My pool's crap. I don't want to play with this deck anymore and get a new pool. Or you could be like, let me see uh, it's just pack. Extra- pack if you get well, it's one get, pack if you if you stay in it well it's yeah but it's um i think if you go 3-0 in a certain thing you can add a pack to it you basically get enough play points to add a pack there's and we'll, we'll post in the show show notes or yeah well, we can post that we can post that announcement in the show notes as far as the sealed leagues are concerned yeah because it's really it's more than we, we should really should go into yet at this point but if you if you do it i highly recommend it especially the pre-release like i said it comes out on the 15th 
Oh. You know, it lasts the whole weekend. And it's not just like you get, have sealed. It's the sealed league format, which is amazing. So it's on demand. You don't have to wait around in a pod, wait 20 minutes between your match. And you just go, okay, I finished that match. Go off, grab some food, come back, and then play another match. It's great. Yeah, the leagues are awesome. They are the, the future of Magic as far as Magic Online is concerned, as far as the um, the developers over in Wizards are concerned. Yeah. Especially now that they have they have varied the leagues out, but I'm sure that we can get into that topic another time. Oh, I would love to. That's All definitely right. something for future day. But well, that brings us to the end of episode six. Um, Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on the Twitters at Dixon IJ. That's D I X O N I J. Or on Twitch, like I mentioned, I will be streaming a bunch uh, the 15th and the 16th of April. Uh, at twitch.tv slash dix, D-I-X. I'll be doing a bunch of, I might do a pre, pre, uh, pre-release draft event because they have those too, but I'll be doing a bunch of sealed. Oh, yeah. How about you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I also am on Twitch by that same name. Uh, you can also reach us both on Twitter for the podcast, at Eyes on the Mize, just like the title. Or you can, if you have a more detailed or want a more private response, you can find us at, you can email us at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. And also, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please give us uh, some feedback. It'd be greatly appreciated, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. Oh, most definitely. And uh, with that, may your shadows over Innistrad events be full of merriment and dread. And bombs. Good night.